You forgot my name. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm too scattered here. Take two. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 180 of the iFreak Show. Today on our panel, we have Rod Schmidt. Hello from Salt Lake. Andrew Madsen. Hello. I'm also in Salt Lake City. Our guest today is Ash Furrow. Ash, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Sure. I'm calling from New York City and I'm a software developer with Artsy. And yeah, here to talk about Playground Books. Very cool. Yeah, we've had other people from Artsy on the show. Orta Thoreau was on at least once. We had him on a couple weeks ago <laughs> or a few weeks ago. But always a cool organization with a lot of open source stuff. So can you tell us a little bit about the Playground Books? Sure. Yeah, playground books are so essentially. Uh, if you take playgrounds in the Xcode setting and move them onto an iPad, you get Swift playgrounds, and that's a little confusing. With the nomenclature is uh, playgrounds on Xcode and Swift playgrounds are on the iPad, and basically, playground books are an iPad uh, Swift playgrounds for iPad uh, learning material that authors can customize uh, really heavily or or just a little bit in order to provide some uh, really interesting learning experiences for readers who are learning how to program for the first time or learning how to use a new class or a new type of programming. Uh, they're really versatile, and uh, I'm really excited about them. Oh, that's very cool. So what, what type of people are going to be excited about these? Well, I, uh, mainly the people I'm, I've seen who are really excited about them are other authors, which is I think makes a lot of sense, uh, especially if you've worked with the traditional publishing industry and you've published a book or an ebook, you know, the, the sort of, um, it, it's very difficult to, to get something published in the traditional world. And Swift Playgrounds, so far, it's kind of like a, a wild west where uh, authors are just building their own content and distributing it themselves. There isn't really a, a distribution network provided by Apple yet. So that's that sort of remains to be seen if they're going to provide one. And it, it's also a much more immersive learning experience than reading from the book where you can actually like read along, see the code, modify it, run it, and see the results of your code right away. So you don't have to have this, this large cycle between learning something and trying it out. It's, uh, it's very immediate. Are there many books available yet? And where do you get them? There are not. It's it's kind of a shame, actually. Apple is so far the only one who's really providing books that they have their uh, learn to code books in, but they're very much for an introductory audience, someone who's never programmed before. So right now, the only way to get a playground is to basically airdrop it onto your iPad. There isn't like a bookstore or iBookstore playground books yet, which is Kind of a shame. I'm hoping that as more people generate content for them, that that will be something that Apple provides, ideally. I mean, it's, it's possible to just distribute through, I mean, there's a number of different e-commerce sites out there that can distribute digital goods for you. But I think Apple providing something would be would be fantastic. I think it's a bit of a chicken and the egg uh, situation right now where we have authors who are sort of skeptical about how to distribute these and you know they're excited but they don't want to put a lot of effort into something um, to, to building a book that uh, is difficult to distribute and so they're sort of waiting for apple to do something and i think apple is waiting for authors to do something to show that there's enough interest to warrant this so it, it feels like a little bit of a stalemate but apple's also you know trying to do so many different things that it could just be that they haven't gotten to it yet which is you know what what i hope <laughs> I really hope that we get something soon to distribute these and for uh, for learners to find books and discover them and download them a lot easier. 
now if we have a book we want to download mm-hmm. what what formats can we can we view the book do we need a mac uh, ipad how does that work you really do need an ipad um you can open the books on a on a mac but it's it's essentially just a, a folder that you can open up the individual Swift files in. So it's, it is a little bit of frustration trying to author one of these. So I've been working on a tool with a few other developers that actually uh, generates Swift Playground books from Xcode Playgrounds. So uh, basically you're able to write code in Xcode that, that is very familiar and, and very easy to work with, and then run that playground through this tool that I've built you provide a little bit of metadata around it, like uh, what the book cover is supposed to be, what the deployment target is, the chapter names, that kind of stuff. And it'll actually go through and generate a playground book that you can then airdrop onto an iPad. And so my hope is that with building a tool like this, that makes it a lot easier to go from um, just having something in an Xcode playground to turning it into a Swift playground book. That'll encourage more uh, authors and content creators out there to create playground books because it is such a, I don't know, I, I think it's a really unique medium for learning how to code and learning how to code in new ways or using different frameworks that I, I think it, it would be a shame not to take advantage of this opportunity and, uh, and, and create some really compelling educational content for the playground, so playgrounds uh, platform. I want to step back a little bit, and can you tell us a little more about what what playground books allow you to do beyond, you know, what just pl- regular Swift playgrounds on the Mac, or you know, you can open. I know you can open up the Swift playgrounds app on the iPad and start writing Swift code in a new playground. But what what mm-hmm. capabilities do playground books um, bring that that are not possible uh, otherwise? Sure. So um, I mentioned earlier that uh, authors are able to customize things uh, only a little bit if they want to, or they can um, they can customize everything. And so let's start on the little bit, the, the easy end of that spectrum. A playground book, the, the, the easiest way to uh, customize things is by dragging in existing assets if you want to, so images that you want to use or other resources. There's also a glossary that you can include, which is pretty pretty useful. That's actually a feature that we we just recently added to the tool, so I'm pretty proud of that. Beyond that, you can also include code in a uh, scope to a page or a chapter or the entire book that is accessible to um, every page or chapter or, or everything. And what that does is it's actually hidden from the user by default, so they can't they can go in and look at it if they want to to see what it's actually uh, h- how it works. But um, by hiding some code that the learner doesn't have to know about yet, you can um, really ease them into an educational experience where they don't get distracted by extraneous details or boilerplate, uh, which is really great. So you've got uh, reusable code among chapter pages or even among chapters. And you can also hide individual snippets of code within a page. You can also tell the user, um, okay, this is the code in, in this page. You can't edit it except for this one little bit. Say it's an integer that defines, like say I'm building a collection view book and I want to show how you can increase the space between cells. I can say to the playground, um, only this integer that represents the space in between cells, only that is editable. And the user is going to get uh, a nice pop-up for that. You can also provide things like um, hints and suggestions for 
code that is going to be inserted later on so the user gets it. And um, I don't know if, if uh, your listeners have played with this with Playgrounds yet, but there's a little um, auto-suggest bar, and you can actually have a little bit of influence into what sort of suggestions that that has. So you can really guide the learner in a in a, a really unique way that you, you just can't do with a, a traditional book or even an ebook, uh, And that's what uh, really excites me about it. Now, you can go even further than that, and there's um, cross-process communication capabilities. So you can have an application running in another process that takes control of the running code view. So if you've had a... Um, if you look at a Swift Playground, you've got your code on the left-hand side, and you've got the results of your code on the right-hand side. And the the other process can take control of the result view. And your code is no longer being compiled and run and, and the results just being rendered. Instead, your code can be uh, compiled, run, and then send messages to that other process. So you can learn how, um, for example, the Learning to Code book does this, uh, where you type in commands to have it um, you know, move forward or backwards, and then it sends them over to the other process and executes them over there. So you can have this sort of conversation back and forth where there's an, there's a, a, a program running in the result view, and the learner is communicating with that program through code, which is, I can't think of another platform where you uh, you get that sort of interactivity. Well, that's really cool. I've played with the, with the Learn to Code uh, book that just comes with Swift Playgrounds with the little character bite that you were talking about and you can move them forward and collect gems and whatever i'm mm-hmm. curious to know if you think or if you know if apple is using any sort of apple only or you know secret sauce sort of stuff to do that or are they just using the same um all of the same capabilities that are available to anyone with swift playground books i was curious about the same thing actually so i uh, i downloaded the uh learn to code playground book and airdropped it to my Mac and uh, took a look. And it's just using the the regular APIs. Everything that it's doing is, uh, you know, any author is capable of, of creating that same experience. Um, it is a lot of work to create it, though. So Apple is, um, they are authoring content that's uh, really high quality, I think, in order to try and set the bar for, for a best, uh, the best kind of playground book can look like. But uh, that's not something, I mean, that their playground books use um, 3D animations and all kinds of things that I'm not, uh, I'm not very fluent in, so I wouldn't be able to create something that polished. And that's that sort of touches on, on the um, lack of tools, again, that Apple hasn't really provided, uh, in my opinion, they haven't provided enough uh, tools to help authors create content for this platform. Um, and that's that's sort of where my tool tries to fill in. It's uh, it's a struggle right now because uh, you know if you as an author see this really amazing content that they've got for learning how to code, and you want to go build something like that, there is um, there's some documentation, but it's it's very difficult to get from zero to one on on building a playground book, and uh, and I think that's that's a real shame. Well, it. It encourages me that they're not using, you know, private API or, or stuff that is not available to other developers. But I think you're right. I mean, Apple obviously has resources beyond what the average person who might be interested in doing a, a playground book has. And, uh, you know, they've got good good 3D artists and game designers mm-hmm. and, and whatever working on this. But I, I hope, I certainly hope this is the start, you know, and not uh, mm-hmm. not the end. And, you know, next WWDC, there will be all kinds of new cool stuff. And this, the situation will just get better and better for 
for those that want to uh, to use this stuff. I think so too. And I've seen like a lot of other open source projects have playgrounds available so you can download the Art Swift playground and like play around with it. I think it'd be really cool to have uh, start seeing open source projects have playground books. So you can download a playground book and start experimenting with a new framework uh, like Art Swift or Alamo Fire or anything. I mean, the, the really amazing thing to me about Swift playgrounds in general is that they have access to all of UIKit and all of Foundation, and they can access the devices, Bluetooth sensors and cameras. Um, you know, you can uh, prototype an entire app on Swift Playgrounds if you want to. Um, and and I think that you're right that this is a, a start, and I hope it is a, a, just a start, um, because there's uh, definitely a lot more capabilities out there that we have yet to see. I wonder, I think I've heard some other people mention this, but it, it does seem, I so I, I'm, my job is actually uh, the I'm lead instructor for an iOS program at a, a boot camp, um, teaching people how to how to do iOS programming, and so this is something that's really attractive to me. But of course, all of the work we're doing is um, on Mac in Xcode right now, and not everybody has mm-hmm. an iPad. And it, it sure would be nice if if these playgrounds worked on the Mac too. Playground books, I mean. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's sort of, uh, that's something that we would like to do is have the ability to translate back from playground book to a playground. Um, and that's, uh, we're working on something that'll, uh, it's a step towards there. Um, I mean, there's only three or four of us working on this project and it, it sort of comes and goes. It's, well, you know, you've worked on open source things, you know, sometimes you don't always have the, the time that you want to be able to, to give something. So I, I I hope that we see more capabilities from Apple, but uh, I'm going to try it out. I've got a talk next week here at the um, City University of New York where I'm going to be describing the history of Swift and some of the basic syntax and capabilities of the language. And I'm hoping to do it on stage with an iPad uh, to do some like live Swift playground coding. Uh, I don't know if anyone's ever done that before, but uh, I definitely want to give it a shot and see how it goes. You know, these these young impressionable minds and, and let them know that uh, if they have an iPad laying around or, or you know, uh, I guess their students and managers have it laying around, but if they have an iPad, then it's more than capable. It's more than capable of being something you use to learn to program in Swift or, or experiment with or just have fun. Well, that, that's cool. I was actually going to ask you what your personally what you you know want to use these playground books for um other than obviously you've explored them and written uh written the tool you were talking about but you know who do you hope to help learn uh i think the big one would be um like other authors who have already created existing um existing uh playground or sorry existing content like books or blog posts and so for example if um like I've written a book on UI collection view, and I'd really like to take that and turn it into something like a playground book where you can learn how to write UI collection view uh, on an iPad. Um, and it, this is where I think like <laughs> having something like uh, playground books on Xcode would be really useful because not everyone wants to like download a playground book and then put it on their iPad. But I think for um, sort of scaled down content. So maybe not an entire book, but like an introduction to UI Collection View or an introduction to Auto Layout. You know, those sorts of topics would be, I think, uh, a really cool and um, really beneficial for people who are just learning the language and to see how they can, you know, take baby steps towards building actual applications in Xcode. 
Um, and uh, it, it, I don't know. I'm really excited because, I mean, like take the auto layout uh, book, for example. You could have secret code running to actually show the auto layout constraints and visualize them on screen in a way that uh, you wouldn't be able to do uh, with a regular book. And um, I don't know. I'm... <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated by the lack of support from Apple, but uh, yeah, I mean that's that's been like a common refrain so far is is me saying like oh yeah this is great, but you know they don't quite go far enough or not quite capable enough. And hoping to see uh, a lot of progress on that soon. All right, let's take a break and earn a little money for the show by talking about Hired.com. Hired is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities in engineering, development, design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. They put you in control, fill out an application, and then top employers apply to hire you. Throughout the process, your dedicated talent advocate will also have your back, providing unbiased career coaching to help you put your best foot forward with potential employers. And Hired offers access to more than 4,000 innovative employers, including big brand names like Facebook and smaller emerging startups. The size and type of company you want to connect with is totally up to you. And they help people find new opportunities in 17 major cities in North America, Europe, Asia, and Australia. So if you're open to relocation, you can let them know, and they'll work that in too. Finally, if you use our link, you can earn double the normal hiring bonus. The normal hiring bonus is 1000 bucks, and they give you 2000 instead. So go check them out at Hire.com slash iFreaks. I think they're taking this whole learn to code initiative quite seriously. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know a couple, I have a couple friends who recently, um, <laughs> you know, left the, the real world and went to Apple to work on it. So <laughs> they're scaling up. I hope so. That, that sounds, that sounds great. If that's the case, that's fantastic. So if you're using one of these, these books to learn to code, what's the experience like? Are you doing actual typing? you know, like yeah. coding. Yeah. I mean, the, the learning curve on this is really shallow. Nice. Um, so the autocomplete bar at the top of the keyboard is going to be there for, um, most things that you want to do. If you want to insert, um, like a function call uh, or image literal or that sort of thing, like you can, as an author, you can say, I, I want this to be recommended to the user if you're um, just sort of like free-flowing typing their on-screen keyboard the, the on-screen keyboard that apple has created for swift playgrounds is is quite nice so um if you've ever tried to write out code like on the regular ios keyboard you know it can be a little tedious but they've got a lot of things like uh, parentheses and brace brackets and i think even there's a button for semicolons where um, instead of just tapping the button you uh tap drag it's a uh, it's really a nice gesture. I got used to it pretty pretty quickly, and it's uh, it's fairly easy to do. Um, if you have a physical keyboard, you can attach to your iPad. Either you've got like an iPad Pro or one of those uh, iPad cases. Like that's um, that's another option as well. If you really need the physical keyboard, I haven't. Uh, I've used both. Um, I haven't missed the physical keyboard too much when I need to uh, to use the on screen one. Um, so you're you're writing code. You're getting recommendations. It was kind of cheesy during the WWDC video when they really made a point to show how powerful the autocomplete was uh, or the, the suggested results. But I've tried to pay attention to it, and it's very good. Um, so it's aware of different uh, functions on, on different types that you're working with. So if you type 
dot, or if you tap the suggestion for dot, then you'll get a list of functions on that type. And uh, the most recently used ones are first. So um, it's it's fairly easy to uh, to really get into a flow on these things. And that's, I, I think, getting learners to that flow state is really important for educators in general. And it's something that is uh, really enabled by the tools. Yeah, I tried it on my iPad Pro keyboard and just typing in the code felt really nice. And frankly, the code completion is better than Xcode's. <laughs> yeah, can we get the uh, Swift Playgrounds team like collaborating with the Xcode team a little bit? I mean, I think that would be, you know, that solves a lot of problems. So if you're a developer trying to get a book around some esoteric topic, what control do you have over the autocomplete? How do you how do you add you know, odd things that may not be in the the stock one? Sure. So there are specially formatted comments that you can insert into your code, so they aren't um, they aren't rendered to the user when they actually see them in the playground book, but you can see them inside Xcode when you're authoring the book if you're using this tool. And basically, you just say, this is what I want to be at the, the beginning of the autocomplete list. Um, or you can say, you know, this region is editable, and this is the, uh, sorry, only this region is editable, and only uh, this should be suggested uh, as autocomplete result. So it's, it's uh, fairly rudimentary. I mean, you don't have like a a ton of uh, capabilities. It's it is basically just a specialized comment. So there's not a ton that you can do with that. But it's also like, say you're writing out, you're teaching someone how to write functions, uh, and you have the function name is the editable part. Uh, you might notice that or recognize the um, the syntax from Xcode if you have the um, less than uh, number sign and then uh, some text and then the number sign greater than. So it sort of uh, almost looks like an HTML tag. And everything in between the tag beginning and ending is the placeholder. So when you go and you hit enter on autocomplete in Xcode and it fills up a bunch of placeholders in, it under the hood, Xcode is using the same syntax for placeholders in Xcode as Swift Playground. Uh, Swift Playgrounds on iPad are using for um, editable code placeholders. So you can combine placeholders and telling the Swift Playgrounds uh, which regions of the code are editable. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, I, I'm hoping to see more capabilities here as well because uh, it, it would be nice to have, a, uh, especially more documentation around this. I mean, most of, of what I've um, gathered so far has been just me uh, and a few other people exploring Apple's playgrounds, as well as the documentation, trying things out on our own. There isn't comprehensive set of documentation for for what is what's capable, uh, what what the playground books are capable of. I think right now the source code of our tool is probably the the most concentrated bit of documentation that exists right now. I want to hear a little more about your tool, which is called Playground Book, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That's right. Tell, tell us about how you know how I'm, I'm particularly interested in how um, easy or difficult it was to, to get this working but also what it does sure so this started um, I was at a conference in Seattle and uh, I, I was just sort of curious around uh, the Iowa time was still in beta and I'd been playing with playground books and I'd had a hard time with it so I thought um, 
Okay, so if you've created a playground book, the next step is to uh, airdrop it onto your iPad and actually use it. But um, the iPad lints the playground book, and if it doesn't validate, if it's not uh, correctly formatted, if the folder structure isn't quite right, then it just won't open the book. So I thought I'd write a linter for this. And uh, I turned to Ruby because I've been doing a lot of Ruby lately, and there's just a ton of really awesome libraries out there uh, for working with um, uh, plist files, which exist in the uh, book format um, for working with the file system, that sort of stuff. Um, so I started out there, I made a linter, uh, and then uh, later on, Orta said, you know, it would be really cool if you just like, you know, write in Xcode and then um, generate the playground book instead of having to craft it yourself. And I thought, well, that's, <laughs> that's a way better tool. Uh, kind of, I was embarrassed at that point of having written a linter instead of a generator. So, um, so the tool sort of pivoted a bit. Um, now it renders um, books from uh, playgrounds. Right now we have this, you write a chapter in a single playground file, and then um, if you name them the same as your chapter names, then the tool kind of just works. And then you delineate pages by having a quadruple slash comment. So slash, 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 and then your page name. Um, and you divide up your pages that way. And basically what it's going to do is uh, split the page, sorry, split your playground contents based on a uh, regular expression that looks for those quadruple slash comments, and then divide up the pages from there. And you use Markdown, inline Markdown, just like you normally do for um, creating rendered Markdown inside of a regular Xcode playground. You use the same format for uh, playground books and there's a special uh, glossary url scheme so you can have a markdown link to a glossary colon slash slash and some term um, and the, the tool is also going to take a look through all of your glossary uh, links and um, one of the capabilities of the uh, playground books is to point you to like the first time in a book that a term was used so um, getting that working was, was a lot of fun and uh, it's all been unit tested, which is uh, just really fun for me. You know, I've wanted to explore more of the capabilities of test-driven development and, and relying on a strict red-green cycle for a while. But um, if you've uh, worked with Swift and Xcode, you know that it's it's often uh, it, it takes a lot of time to compile and run your tests. So I. I thought, you know, Ruby, they've got a lot of tooling around testing, and uh, it's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun because um, I'll have a tool running on uh, my command line that just watches for changed files and then reruns the tests that touch that file. Um, so I get a constant feedback cycle of if the code I've written works or not. So that's been a lot of fun. The big thing I wanted to mention was that um, it turns out that uh, Xcode playgrounds have pages as well. Um, I didn't know that, but um, it, it, it's kind of weird that Xcode playgrounds have pages and uh, Swift playground books also have pages, but they're still not compatible with each other. So we've got a, we're working on an open pull request right now to move from the quadruple slash format to uh, basically you're just creating the pages in your playground uh, and then those pages become the pages of your book. So it's a lot more uh, one-to-one. Um, of, a, of a translation and that's uh, it, it's been a lot of fun because like I just started this as a, an open source project I, I think I wrote a blog post about it and I've had not just Orta who like you know chimes in on most of my open source projects 
but um, developers from uh, San Francisco, uh, Australia, and Germany come in and uh, help with this. And you know, they see the the value of the tool, and it's in a language that you don't normally like. Ruby isn't uh, like a super common language among iOS developers or people who would be familiar with Swift Playground. Um, so, you know, to see other people come in and improve the the code that I've done, improved the tool that I built, is it's been a really fulfilling process. Oh, it's very cool. So, what's the debugging experience like if you're writing a playground book? Uh, the debugging experience is is kind of interesting. Um, so, when you make an edit on the iPad, it doesn't actually modify the source of your playground book directly. Instead, it places the changed file inside an edit folder, so you can actually um, distinguish when you. It's like so. If you go through, if you use this tool and you take your playground, turn it into a playground book, put it on the iPad, and you go through the content and realize that some things don't look quite right, or or you need to make some changes, you can make them on the iPad, and then when you're back on your Mac, take a look at just the edits folder to, to uh, look at only the things that have changed. And the things that you want to change uh, in your source um, uh, Xcode Playground. There's not a debugger like built into the uh, Swift Playgrounds um, tool, so you don't have the same sort of debugging capability as you do on a Mac. But it's it's still a pretty capable device. So how is the the changes you make in the edits folder? How is that communicated back to the the Mac? Not well. <laughs> You've got to just airdrop the entire book back onto your Mac and. Uh, and take a look in there and it just has the entire file. It's not like a, a diff or anything like that, unfortunately. Okay. No um, magic involved, but no magic. You get it done. Okay. Yeah. Configuration over convention, I guess. It's <laughs> it's a little odd. I think that um, like if I had to read the tea leaves of, of Apple, I think that they put a lot of work into getting the Swift Playgrounds tool ready for WWDC. And then shifted from working on the tool to working on the content for the, the tool after WWDC. So we saw the Learn to Code books come out after that. Do you know how the code is executed? When I tried it, it seemed pretty fast. And is it doing a, a REPL thing or is it actually compiling it? Do you know? Uh, that's a good question. As far as I understand, it's compiling the code and, and running it natively, which technically breaks the App Store review guidelines. So. But pretty sure Apple just does whatever they want with their own applications. I think someone disassembled parts of UIKit and found checks disabled if you have like a certain bundle identifier. Like if you're the iBooks app, then it just doesn't worry about certain certain checks that normally would crash an application. It's, it's really weird. Hmm. Well, so is there I, anything else? We want? You have a question? Yeah, I had a question. I was wondering where Ash, where you saw this going. It kind of reminds me a little bit of, of HyperCard, if anyone remembers that, where you could kind of write your own software inside the tool itself mm -hmm. and publish it. Yeah, yeah, that'd be like super cool to see that sort of capability. I mean, HyperCard was a little bit before my time, but uh, I've heard nothing but good things about it. I think that there's been a little bit of a pushback on uh, Swift Playgrounds, which is really unfortunate. A lot of developers who learned by, they were dropped into HyperCard or dropped into some environment that was unfamiliar to them, and uh, they just had to mess around. And through trial and error, they learned how to program. And that experience is very, like they cherish that experience. And to see Playground books come 
I think that it intimidates them a little bit because it holds the learner's hand in a way that they didn't have when they were learning to code. And so they're, they're resisting um, this sort of uh, Swift Playgrounds book future because it's not the, the way that they learn to code. So it's, it's really funny because the, the Swift Playground books uh, remind a lot of people of HyperCard in a really positive way. Um, but they also contrast with HyperCard in the, um, in the sort of uh, hand-holding way that a lot of people are, are worried about. Well, very cool. So, yeah, we've learned a ton. So these, it's a really cool technology, and I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. Apple's put a lot of you know, their energy behind it, and it's still very much in, in its infancy, as you, as you pointed out. So uh, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, we're going to go to the picks. Andrew, do you have a pick for us? I have been trying to come up with a pick and uh, and struggling, but no, I I, I do actually have one. Um, I'm actually going to pick uh, an app called Postman, which is it's a, a Mac app. I think they also have a, some sort of web version, which I've never actually used. But this is um, it's pretty useful if you're working with a with a REST API to create um, requests and sort of explore the API and debug it without actually having to write code. And, you know, for me, writing code means writing Swift and then this URL L session code and whatever. And um, so this is a good way to, to test things and, and figure things out without having to actually start writing that kind of code. Um, so that's my, that's my pick. Very cool. Yeah. I've used Postman for years, starting when it was a Chrome extension, which I think is going away towards the app, the actual Mac app, but no, it's a great tool. Rod, what do you have for us? Let's see a couple. I'm going to pick Turn Season 2, which I'm enjoying. That is about the uh, spies during the Revolutionary War. And I will also pick my blog at rodschmidt.com. I've got a series of posts about why it's not a good idea to put the put a managed object concept in the app delegate and access it there from everywhere. So if, if you're interested in that, check that out. Just don't do it. Singletons. <laughs> uh, Ash, do you have any picks for us? Gosh, um, I've been watching a, a new show called Dark Matter with my uh, with my wife. Um, it's by a lot of the uh, same producers, writers, directors as uh, the Stargate SG One and Stargate Atlanta series. So if you're a fan of those shows, uh, definitely check it out on Netflix. Okay, very cool. Well, that wraps it up. Ash, thanks for coming on the show. I think we have a lot for having me. And yeah, I'm excited to play around with the playground books. Very cool technology. We'll see you all next week. Thanks, guys. Yeah. yeah.